If anybody else wants to run out with the children, please feel free now before I start. Okay. the Lord. It's great to be with you. It's lovely to be with our family and uh, in their new house. And uh, yeah, it's really, really lovely to come and worship the Lord with you this morning and be part of your gathering unto him. Um, yeah, um, I want to share this, uh, this morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. And uh, it's great the way the Lord's already been speaking and uh, encouraging our hearts to look to him, to uh, consider the things that he's done and uh, to let him loose, as it were, in our lives. It's great that God wants, uh, the more we let God loose in our lives, the happier we'll be. Um, praise his wonderful name. He, uh, he can do anything with us that he chooses and all that he chooses to do is good. He never, never does anything that will do us harm. He never will do anything that is unkind. Uh, he is a good God. In every place on earth where he is worshipped, he does good to those who love him and to millions of those who don't yet know him. Um, praise his wonderful name. So I'm going to read in uh, Luke 24 and... Um, We'll look at some things in this wonderful chapter, and it's about the resurrection, of course, so we'll start uh, breaking at verse 36, if you've got a Bible. I'm reading from the New King James. Now, as they said these things, uh, that two of them had, had met the Lord on the road, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they'd seen a spirit, a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you, got, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish. What's broiled? Is that poached? Anybody know? It's a sort of poached fish, probably. Uh, sorry? Grilled. Oh, thank you. Grilled fish. Oh, very nice. And some honeycomb. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, uh, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Wonderful. That, the last act of the Lord was to bless his people. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them 
and carried up into heaven. And when he returns, he will come to bless us. He'll come like that as well. This same Jesus will return as you saw him go. And he had his hands lifted up in blessing. And when he returns, he will come in blessing. Hallelujah. And he was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Amen. Wonderful passage of scripture. Uh, and if you ever feel down, um, just read the, the last chapter of the Gospels, because that's the, uh, the end of the story in a way. <laughs> but it's not the end, of course. It's the, um, there's a whole heap more to going on. But the wonderful thing is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and that's what the Gospel's all about. Um, it's the cornerstone of our faith. If there was no resurrection, there's no Gospel. If Jesus died on the cross and stayed dead, then he was just another good man who suffered uh, a terrible, violent, cruel death um, for no reason at all, like so many people do, even in our day. But the fact is that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. <laughs> and because he lives, we shall live also. That's his promise. Because he has conquered death, we shall conquer death also. And the Lord talked quite a lot about death before he went because he knew that there was going to be at least 2,000 years of human beings living on the earth, following him, and then going to be with him in their generation. And here we are in our generations, okay? In our generations, and we're following the Lord. Uh, maybe we'll see him come from the sky. I do hope so. Um, but if not, then when we die, we'll go to be with him and we won't taste the bitterness of death. That's a wonderful thing. Because Hebrews tells us that Jesus tasted that for you and me. He tasted the bitterness. What was the bitterness? Separation from God. Someone prayed that earlier on. You were separated from your father for the first time. You were alone. Jesus was absolutely alone on the cross in a way that you and I will never be in our lives. Because in God we live and move and have our being. That's a wonderful thing to think about, that we, we can never be separated from God. If we know Jesus, if we've received him into our lives as our Savior and Lord, we can never be separated from him. For I am persuaded, said Paul, that neither death nor life, nor things present nor things to come, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor any other thing in the whole creation can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah! Amen! Hallelujah. Do you believe that this morning? Jesus. Jesus is alive, so nothing can ever separate us from him. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No demons, no men, nothing whatsoever can separate us from our Lord. Because Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, and he is still risen. This is a wonderful thing that the disciples found. Well, they, they didn't know it was going to happen, of course. They didn't know it was going to happen. We have the benefit of being able to read the Gospels um, but um, it came as a complete surprise. See, they were a bunch of frightened men, not the women. The women were brave. They went to the tomb. But the men were all skulking inside a room. They'd all deserted the Lord on the night he was praying his heart out in Gethsemane uh, and fled when the mob arrived to arrest him. And, uh, and they thought that was... And they, then... The crucifixion, the, the trials, the flogging, the crucifixion, end of everything, end of story. 
Hallelujah. With God, there is never an end of the story. It's God who began everything in the beginning. It's God who will finish everything in the end. I am Alpha, I am Omega, the beginning, beginning and the end, says the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. And if our lives are hid with Christ in God, we are in that absolutely safe place today with Jesus. Um, I don't know if you've uh, read through the stories. There, there is so much uh, we could say. Um, you know, of course, um, how can we prove that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, actually, if you study the Gospels very carefully, and there's a lot of coming and going on that um, resurrection morning, uh, people running to the tomb and back again to tell others that the Lord's missing, the body's missing, and others run to the tomb. And while they're coming back again, those who were there first go back again, and there's angels appear and all sorts of things going on. Um, but, but basically, obviously his enemies didn't remove the body because that was the opposite of what they wanted. The disciples, they were too frightened and scared. <clears throat> the women weren't strong enough to move the stone, so who moved the stone? There was a book, famous book written called uh, Who Moved the Stone? by a lawyer who re he, he, he did research. He wanted... He was an atheist and he wanted to disprove the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So he studied all the documents and his conclusion at the end of the book was Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he is Lord of, the, of, of, the, he is Lord of life. Hallelujah. He is Lord. He's God. There's no other explanation. Um, you know, obviously here the disciples, uh, okay, 36, the uh, they're all in this room and Jesus stands in the midst and says to them, peace, peace to you, peace to you. And uh, we read more about that in John's Gospel when the Lord says it. And uh, he says, don't be afraid, be at peace. Now only the peace of Jesus can keep our hearts from fear. If you have fear in your heart this morning, let the peace of Jesus come into your heart. Let the realization that Jesus died and rose again from the dead be a reality to you. Because the reality of the risen Christ guards our hearts and minds in him from day to day. Um, when we're out there, we forget all these things. Yeah, we're in the midst of life, we're working, we're busy, we're meeting people, we're on the phone, uh, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're going here, we're going there, and our minds are focused on on our daily life and things we have to do and maybe some of us have to think a lot about the work that we're doing. Um, Jesus wants to lead us to lead a simple life and say at the beginning of the day, Jesus, you're risen from the dead. You are Lord. Hallelujah. I trust you to be with me in all that I've got to do today. Every single thing I've got to do, whether I'm doing it with me hands, with me head, uh, whatever I'm doing, Lord, I believe that you are risen from the dead and you are with me today in all that I do. Um, <clears throat> they were scared. They thought they'd seen a, seen a ghost. So Jesus says, why are you scared? Why are you, why are you doubting? Uh, look at my hands, look at my feet. And as they did that, and he said, handle me, handle me, look, touch me. I, I, I'm flesh and bones, not blood, not flesh and blood. He poured out his blood on the cross Hallelujah, to ransom us from our sins, to redeem us, to set us free from everything that has ever bound our lives <clears throat> and so that we could be forgiven. Hallelujah. 
Jesus did that for you and me. And uh, he said, handle me. And we read in uh, John's uh, letter, first letter of John, um, this was a man who was with Jesus from beginning to end of those three short three and a half years of ministry. And he says this, you don't need to turn to it, I'll just read it. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He's thinking of that time when Jesus said, look guys, just handle me. It's, it's me. I, I, I'm Jesus. <laughs> I, I'm, I was dead, now I'm alive again. Come, come and handle me. Have you handled Jesus today? Do you handle Jesus day by day in your, your life, in prayer with him? You know, we can, um, uh, we can handle him in our hearts. We can give him a, an embrace of love in our hearts day by day as we rise and, you know, that first, those first few moments. Oh, thank you very much, Tim. Bless you. Those first few moments. C.S. Lewis, he said, he, <clears throat> who had to think a lot in his job, he said, when I wake up in the morning, I lie in bed and I stay there for a couple of minutes and I resolutely focus my mind on Christ before the lions of the day leap on me. <laughs> before the lions of the day leap on me. You have, maybe I have lions that leap on you every morning when you've got responsibilities uh, and some very important responsibilities. Well, bless God, you have the lion of Judah to be with you and he can eat up all the lions you know Moses rod um, he, he threw his uh, rod on the ground and it became a serpent and then the magicians uh, the, the wizards they threw their rods on the ground and they became serpent snakes but then what happened Moses rod gobbled up all their rods <laughs> gobbled up all the other snakes yeah God, uh, God gobbles up all his enemies Praise his wonderful name. So, uh, Jesus said, boys, have you got any food? And they gave him some uh, grilled fish and honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And later when Peter's preaching, he says, we ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Let's just have a quick look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. See what um, the Apostle Paul says about this wonderful resurrection because this is what he preached and we need to know that what we preach is the same as what was preached right at the beginning and uh, he says this this is 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 he says this for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he rose again the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he was seen by uh, Cephas Peter then by the twelve after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present so if Paul was writing a lie they could easily have contradicted him but they didn't uh, some have fallen asleep. They've gone to be with the Lord. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also. 
And Paul goes on to talk about his own testimony of how he was a persecutor. And then Jesus, the risen Lord, appeared to him brighter than the noonday sun. Now, can you look at the sun this morning? How long can you look at the sun for? It's beautiful, shining beautifully in, isn't it? You can maybe only look at it for a second or two and then your eyes are dazzled. And the presence of the risen Jesus was brighter than that. And Paul saw it and uh, the rest of his life was completely different from the way he thought it would go. Um, the Peter, the apostles... Okay, just uh, one more scripture in, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. Um, Peter is, is speaking to the people to say, you need to turn from your sins and turn to Jesus because God's raised him from the dead. He died, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And uh, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, who were the atheist rationalists of their day, came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now everybody um, in our day, if you preach the resurrection from the dead, that Jesus rose from the dead, that's the thing that will be opposed. That's the thing that will be opposed because the devil was in this group of people. They were the group of people who had killed the Lord and uh, what they hated him for was that he preached the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. And uh, so they preached the resurrection. And um, his enemies resented it, resisted it, but they couldn't resist the power of the Lord as he spoke through them. Um, We've got to beware of rationalizing the Lord out of things. We've got to beware of thinking, uh, forgetting that uh, we have a supernatural God. Our God is supernatural. We live a supernatural life. If you know Jesus this morning, you are living a supernatural life. Did you know that? You are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time when the Lord returns. Kept by the power of God. That's supernatural, isn't it? It's not you and me. Uh, holding, hanging in there by a fingernail. Sometimes it feels like that, but actually God's hold on us is far, far greater than our hold on him. If you had to hold the hand of a child, we did that in London yesterday as we went down the underground, you know, and one of the boys, Helen, Tim and Anne's boys, held my hand and I, yeah, that's a, that's a very soft and gentle grip. <laughs> But I knew that, um, okay, if, we, if they fell down the escalator or something, I could grab them and just pick them up like that. And that's what God is to you and me. We are his children. We're his beloved children. And he wants us to live like children, just depending on him from day to day. Um, there's a man called Andrew Murray. He said this, Man was not to have in himself a fountain of life or strength or happiness, the ever-living God was each moment to be communicator to him of all that he needed. Moment by moment. And he goes on to say this, when a believer begins to understand his or her dependence on God and agree with it, that he or she must each moment receive what God each moment works Waiting on God becomes 
his brightest hope and joy. We have a God who wants us to be dependent on him, to trust him as our risen Lord. And uh, have you ha handled Jesus today? Have you hugged Jesus in your affections today? Have you let him be your all in all today and say, Lord, I don't care what happens today, you're everything to me. That's handling Jesus. Um, and we, if we go on further in Luke, uh, Luke 24 there, um, after the Lord has eaten something and they've all hugged him and, and kind of, you know, oh Lord, you are real, <laughs> you're risen. And they never forgot that and they were willing to die for it. And you don't die for a lie, do you? You don't die for a lie. If it was a lie, why? No, no way. They were willing to die for Jesus because they believed he was risen from the dead. And um, then he says this. These are the words, uh, verse 44, Luke 24. These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Jesus tells them um, it was all written. It was all written. What happened to him was all written before he came. You know, the, um, the letter to Timothy tells us that every word of God uh, is breathed out from him. God breathed this word out. He breathed life into Adam. And he breathed life into you and me through his word. Um, what we believe of God is very important um, because his word is life and truth to us. I just want to read a verse in uh, Psalm 119. Not the whole psalm, you'll be happy to know. Um, it's Psalm 119 towards the end. 159 says this. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. The entirety of your word is truth. Um, we have the word of God because God has kept the word for us. Men and devils have tried to destroy this word or to keep it from us. Um, but God has always made a way where we could have the word of God in our own language. Um, yesterday I was, uh, me and Tim went up to a, an exhibition in the British Library um, and it was called the Anglo-Saxon, it was about the Anglo-Saxons and the majority of it, majority of the exhibition was New Testaments, uh, Gospels that were written from about AD 650 through to the time of William the Conqueror. And they are the foundation of our civilization. The way we live as a people, as a nation, comes from the Gospels. Loving our neighbor, doing good to those around us, trying to help the helpless, 
reaching out to, to people in their difficulties, being a friend to the friendless. Um, in in, we live on the Wirral, but the people in our church go out to uh, reach out to the homeless on the streets of Liverpool every month. And, um, you know, one of them's a retired GP, one's a retired midwife, um, getting on in years, and they kneel on the streets beside the homeless in Liverpool because the love of Jesus is in them, and that's what they read in the Gospels. That's what Jesus did. He came down to our level, and he embraced us there. Um, if, if you find that your, your, your life with him is flagging, um, this is a wonderful word, revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The revival of, of, of our trust in the Lord, our belief in the Lord, our faith in the Lord comes through his word. And it might just come through a single verse that you read one day. It might come through reading the book of Romans through at a single setting, uh, seat, sitting, seat, sitting, that's the word. Uh, you know, a guy said to me not long ago, he said, oh, I haven't read the book of Romans for a long time. And I thought, well, when was the last time I read through the book of Romans? And so I went back to it. And uh, as you read through and find what Paul is saying, wow, this is amazing, amazing stuff. And um, yeah, so the Gospels, Jesus said it, it was all written there. It's the truth. And um, in the same chapter of Luke 24, he's, when he's talking to those guys, on, disciples on the road to Emmaus, um, he says, verse 25, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, because the Lord had told them he was going to suffer. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What a Bible school. Wow, here was the Lord telling them, expounding the things in, in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms that refer to himself. Whew. Jesus said, it was all written of me. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, uh, the red heifer in Leviticus, um, the scapegoat in Leviticus, sent out into the wilderness, bearing the sins of the people away into a land never to be seen again. Hallelujah. And here we read uh, the reason those things were written down, the reason that the Christ came to suffer, the reason that he gave himself to the cross and allowed, allowed himself to be taken because he spoke a word and everybody coming to arrest him fell flat on their backs. And he said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I'm Jesus. If you want me, take me. He was no helpless man. <clears throat> he was the son of God as well as the son of man. And then he went to the cross for you and me. Why? Oh, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins shall be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Wow. Do you know that Jesus died to forgive your sins, take them all away? He says, I've blown away your sins like the mist. Early this morning, earlier this morning, there's plenty of mist around. It's all gone now. The sun has risen. If Jesus has risen on your life, he's blown away your sins like the mist and like a cloud. They're nothing to him. Why? Because he bore them away on the cross that you and I should not see them again forever. Hallelujah. Does that make your heart dance for joy this morning? 
It should do. Amen. Amen. Because it's true of you, brother, sister, as it's true of me. I remember the first time this came to me, and, and I was, I'd been to church for 10 years, never heard this, and suddenly God started to wake me up, and uh, the realization came first of all wow, Jesus is alive. So he's alive now in 1970, whenever it was, uh, 71, and wow. And then I read a word in this Bible that I'd started to read, and it said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I read that, and it was like that word just went straight inside and opened up a whole new life that came from God in me. Peter Elks, born in Burton-on-Trent, Staffordshire, the town of Beer and Marmite. How about that? You can come from anywhere. You can come from nowhere. My mum grew up in uh, East Ham, opposite the Berlin ground. And just before the war, her dad got a job up in the Midlands, and that's why I'm here today to tell you this story. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Christ, Christ, it was, it was necessary. I want to go to a scripture in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 11 tells us this. You think, in the Old Testament, how could they have known what was going to happen to Jesus? How could it all be written down beforehand? And 1 Peter tells us this in verse 11, um, verse 10, sorry. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Okay, so Peter tells us that when these prophets, like Isaiah, like Moses, like other prophets, Malachi, Zechariah, Hosea, were testifying of the sufferings of Christ, it was actually the Spirit of Jesus Christ in them that was speaking. He knew what he was coming to. He knew what would happen, but he still came. Glory to his wonderful name. He still came for the love that he bore to you and me. Because he loved us with an everlasting love, he still came. And so Peter says in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, you do well if you pay good attention to that prophetic word until the day star rises in your hearts. You, we do well to give ourselves to uh, the Word of God and to let it soak into our beings. Somebody prayed that. Let the Word of God soak into our beings and, 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 and then it will beget new life in us. It will help us grow in grace and the knowledge of God. Um, you know, Paul, he said, this resurrection, I, I'm so glad that this Jesus rose from the dead because I want to know more about his resurrection. Because why? Because I want to know him. I want to know him. You know, and Paul, he knew so much. He had it all up here, but he had nothing down here until he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. It was all up here. It was all the Old Testament. He had it cut, dried, shredded, and rehashed, recycled. He knew everything that was going to happen. About, he knew everything about everything, but his heart was absolutely empty. And so Jesus came, and he died and rose again from the dead. And then Luke tells us, the Lord said, uh, you're witnesses of these things, that I died and rose again. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit, of course. Um, historically, they had to wait. 
because the Spirit couldn't be poured out from on high until Jesus was glorified on high. Because when he rose again from the dead and then was with the disciples, appeared here, there, Galilee, Jerusalem, came, went, and then one day in just outside Bethany, he went back up to heaven. And then God poured out the Holy Spirit as an absolute proof that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, the Son of God. Paul said that too. He said, declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. So, do you know your sins are forgiven? Do you know that Jesus has washed them all away in his precious blood? Do you know that, it, as we heard earlier, if, you, if your feet have gotten dirty through walking through this dirty world, then come to Jesus and let his precious blood wash you again. Just wash everything away. You just say to Jesus, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for this I fell into. I'm really sorry. Uh, please take it out of my life. And the risen Christ will do that. He'll take it right away. He's done it for me, so he'll do it for you. And we can come to him time and time and time again. And he'll do it every time. Because he's faithful. And he died on the cross for those sins. He died to set us free. His name is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And he said, I'm going to send the promise of my Father on you, but just wait, wait a little while. And then when Jesus was glorified in heaven, he poured out the Holy Spirit. Okay, what do we do now? Lord, we drink in, drink in and drink in of that same Holy Spirit. We receive from him. Uh, the first thing is the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died, rose again from the dead, and he was real when he rose again from the dead. He wasn't a spirit. He had... Flesh, he had bones. He's as real as you and me. More real, because he could go through walls and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, then we have the reliability of his word. His word, every word is true. We can trust the word of God. We've had it for a thousand years in this country, and yesterday, wow, there, they, there the volumes were, you know? Wow, this is what our forefathers believed. We, they believed, they trusted, and God helped them, saved them, protected our country, and he'll do the same again. For you and me in our day, if we trust him, believe in him, take his word, uh, let it impact our lives, follow it as far as we have understanding of what we should do, how we should live, put into practice whatever he shows us to do. And uh, God will bless us too. And then finally, there's the rehabilitation by the Holy Spirit. Uh, rehabilitation means restoring something that's been damaged to its former condition. Um, many of us in the course of life, we get damaged. Um, we're not in the normal health, normal life that God intended us to have. And the Holy Spirit has come to rehabilitate us into the life of God, into the image of his Son, to make us like Jesus. Not by anything we can do, but by the power of God at work in us. As Andrew Murray said, um, Oswald Chambers, who I am very fond of, um, also said this, the attitude of a believer, the maintained attitude of a believer is reception of the Holy Spirit. In other words, from day to day, from hour to hour, from moment to moment, 
we have our hearts open to God, even while our minds are focused maybe on some very intense, complex task that we have to do, but our hearts are open to God and the Holy Spirit, we depend on the Holy Spirit for his help in what we're doing. Um, when you're on the mission field, that kind of comes alive in, in, in lots of different ways. Uh, when you have to learn a language, when you have to understand what somebody is saying to you in a language that you, you were never born with or never heard at your mother's knee, and um, you, when you try to say it, you know, you can say something, as Paddington said, that was very rude, you know, you can say things that you shouldn't say, and then you've got to understand what people are saying in their heart language to you so you can help them from the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit. So you depend on the Holy Spirit to give you the words. And you find when you're in those situations, a thought comes to your mind, words come to your lips, and something from God in the heart language of that person in Thailand or Cambodia or some people group in one of those lands, suddenly that word through your lips becomes life in their hearts. Now that proves to me that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. I remember the first time going to Thailand and uh, never been there before. This was in 1979. And uh, first of all, the heat, you know, like you walk out the airplane and you're in an oven continually. Um, and uh, mosquitoes and stuff like that. Anyway, and, and kind of being in this strange culture for the first time in my life. Never hardly ever been out of Burton-on-Trent in my life. And then here I was in Thailand. And um, I was in Manchester for a while. But... Um, thinking, Lord, how can I, how can anything happen in this, between me and this people that you've, you've, you've sent me to? I was on my own at that time. And, um, but I heard the prayers of Ruth and lots of other people. Anyway, how can anything happen? And the Lord just spoke to me through a word in the Psalms. This is how his life comes to us. He makes all their hearts alike. He fashions all their hearts alike. What did that word tell me? Their culture is so different. The language is different. The food is different. I'm different from them, but the deepest part of their being, their heart of hearts is the same as my heart because that's the way God made us. So if I've got something from God to say, God can speak to their heart. And he did it. And uh, praise his wonderful name. And uh, yeah, some people came to know him. Wow. Are you drinking of uh, the promise of the Father today? Are you drinking of Jesus? Uh, it's a wonderful thing. Drinking is so easy, isn't it? Um, and when you're in a hot country, all you want to do is drink, I tell you. Because when you're thirsty, you want to drink. Are you thirsty? Are you empty? Come and drink the living waters. Uh, That's a great song, isn't it? Come and drink the living waters. Jesus has made himself available to you and me 24-7. He takes care of our unconscious while we're asleep. In the conscious part of our life, he wants us to realize, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you in everything that I call you to walk through. Praise his wonderful name. And... <clears throat> Okay, we realize his resurrection. Lord, thank you, you're risen from the dead. We glorify you, we praise you. Uh, and what did they do? They went to the temple and every day they praised and blessed God. They thanked God. They said, Lord, thank you, you're alive. Thank you, you're here. Thank you, you're with us. And uh, when the Holy Spirit, uh, and they realized they had the forgiveness of their desertion of the Lord in his hour of need. They had the forgiveness 
of all that the cross meant for them as men and women too, just like you and me. And then they had the availability of the Holy Spirit to be with them, to help them in a complex world in their day, in a world that was fastly changing as it is for us in their day. They had Jesus and they had the Holy Spirit. And uh, Paul said, dear, dear ones, I just want you to be simple in your approach, simple in, in, in your life, love him, uh, realize that he's with you, uh, realize your relationship with him, grow in your relationship with him. Praise his wonderful name. Um, I love him, and um, I'm still learning lots about him, and uh, I thank the Lord that he came uh, came into my life, changed my life dynamically, and um, made me a new person, and gave me so much that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't come to know Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray.